Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you find yourself, I want to welcome you to the podcast. So my name is Will Sampson. I am a change coach. I'm a social scientist. I help guide executives and entrepreneurs to new levels of growth. And I am super excited to welcome you back. First of all, to welcome you to 2023, but then also to welcome you back to the podcast. There's so many exciting things happening. I'm super I'm super jazzed to be sharing with you today. Here are the key things we're going to talk about. First of all, you probably noticed the podcast has undergone a name change. We'll talk about that and why that is. We'll talk about the new format for the podcast. And then I want to share with you five lessons, my five sort of key takeaways from 2022. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So first of all, what's up with the new name? Why a new name? So I wanted to find a name that really fits more closely with where I'm taking my contribution in the world. So the original name was called A Revolution of Interdependence, and I still love that name. In fact, if you listened before, you know that I asked each guest a question at the beginning of every episode. We're going to continue that that question. And the question was always, tell us your story of interdependence. Tell us your story of someone who made a difference for you. And so I love that name. I love that concept. The whole idea of a revolution of interdependence was what I called my well-received TEDx talk. So many of you found me that way. You you had seen the TEDx talk and you found my podcast that way. And so I, I love that name, but this new name and the podcast has been rebranded to be Mission Driven You. Mission Driven You. And that name just fits so much better with the work that I'm doing, with what I hope to leave behind in the world. So I'm going to share with you my goal. I have set a goal for myself personally over the next five years. So by the end of 2028, I want to help start 100 mission-driven businesses. The universe keeps bringing me mission-driven entrepreneurs to work with. And I'm super excited to get to work with mission-driven entrepreneurs. And what's a mission-driven entrepreneur? What's a mission-driven business? Well, it's an entrepreneur in a business that has that right balance between doing well and doing good. And so for a company, for a corporation, doing well means making a profit, being sustainable, reaching a point of economic and financial resilience. But there's a lot of companies that do well, they make plenty of money, but they don't necessarily do good in the world. And so, so I really wanted to put the weight of my effort behind those businesses that are both doing well and doing good. They make a profit, but then they also try to leave the world a better place. And this podcast is really a key part of how I spread that message and how I get the message out to the people in my audience, to the people who are trying to create good and do well in the world. And this isn't just confined to businesses. I work with some nonprofits as well, and the same principles apply to them. Can they do well? Can they be sustainable, resilient, continue moving forward while also creating good in the world? So I've chosen this new name, Mission Driven You, because it really fits well with how I want to show up in the world and the work that I want to do in the world. So I am delighted that you've continued to travel with me through the new name, and I'm excited about what 2023 will be 
for all of you out there, all of you mission-driven people who are trying to both reach resilience and do social good in the world. You'll also notice that the podcast will have a little bit of a format change. For one thing, what I've tried to do, what I tried to do in the first year of the podcast was really try to keep all the interviews under, under 30 minutes. And that fit well with the place I was at at the time. But what I found myself often doing is having to cut people off because I was stuck with some arbitrary limit of 30 minutes. And so oftentimes uh, there was one individual, as I went back and looked at the, I listened to the recording, there was one individual who was in the middle of a great comment. <laughs> I would have loved to have unpacked that idea more, but I had decided arbitrarily that we were going to stick to 30 minutes. Well, I've given up that, that idea because I think we need more time to talk about these big ideas in the world. Not, not forever. I mean, like you, I've, there are some podcasts I listen to that are two, two and a half, three hours long. I don't intend to do that at all. But what I've done is gotten rid of that arbitrary limit of 30 minutes because, you know, people often need more time. They need more time to uh, to really express their ideas. And so I wanted to give the guests a little more time because here's the deal. This really helps you understand why I show up in the world and what I think is important to talk about on this podcast and in other forums is we are at this major crossroads in the world right now. If you haven't read it yet, I would recommend a book by Jamie Wheel. It's called Recapture the Rapture. It sounds like it's a book about religion, but it's not necessarily. In that book, Jamie makes the point that our great narratives have failed us. You know, for most of human civilization, we had a narrative of religion. And I certainly don't want to go into it. And I am somewhat of a religious person myself. But the reality is that our religious narratives have largely failed us. And what we replace them with are technological narratives. We, we had this belief that we were going to innovate our way out of the great problems of the world. And I don't know if this is news to you, but we have not done that. <laughs> we have in this world what we social scientists would call wicked problems. That's not a statement of, of moral judgment on the problem itself. It's the realization that there are certain problems we face that are bigger than we have solutions for at this time. Economic injustice, environmental tragedies, forced homelessness. You know, we now have 200 million environmental refugees in the world. So we have a lot of what we would call wicked problems, significant problems for which there's no easy answer. And there's certainly no engineering problem. You know, in the work that I do, I talk a lot about the difference between engineering problems and design problems. An engineering problem, for example, would be the person who designs brakes for your car vehicle. You want them to take an engineering solution because you want them to produce the same high quality brake every time they produce a set of brakes off the assembly line. But design problems are those problems for which there's no obvious engineering problem. These are human problems. And increasingly, not just coming out of the pandemic, but with all the changes that are happening in the world, we are seeing more and more problems for which there is no easy engineering solution. We need a design solution and we need to think bigger and broader. We need to be free from many of the constraints that kept us finding answers to these bigger problems. And so that's a long way to explain why I'm, I've chosen to sort of jettison the 30 minute format 
and give people the chance to talk. Like I said, these, these, the episodes coming up won't be, you know, two, three, four hours long, like some podcasters do, but I've really chosen to give people more time to share, you know, by, by getting rid of that arbitrary 30 minute limit. So that's some sort of housekeeping. What I wanted to talk to you about today and today's topic is the five biggest lessons I learned from 2022. Now, if you've been listening for a while or you know me or you, you've heard my talks, listen to my courses, you know that I'm a person in long-term recovery. That's a really important part of my story. And if you haven't seen it, I would recommend you go watch the uh, TEDx talk that I gave almost a year, a little more than a year ago now, which was called A Revolution of Interdependence. It was really about the lessons that I've learned from my time in recovery. But here's sort of one of the meta lessons that I've learned, which is experience is maybe my best teacher. And my experience may be the best thing that I have to offer to you. Here's the deal. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a pretty smart guy, right? I have an earned, an actual earned PhD. I've done dozens and dozens of hours in advanced coursework. I work as a researcher in part of what I do on a daily basis. I'm a pretty smart guy and I try all the time to bring you research-based insights, particularly if you read my newsletter or you follow my blog, you'll see that I'm always looking for what's the newest research, what's the, what's the best way we can understand some of these complex issues. And so I will continue to bring you research and I'll continue to bring you all of my brain, all of my smarts. <laughs> but I also see value in sharing vulnerability with you. I believe, naive as it may sound to certain people of the scientific mentality or particularly of the religious mentality, I believe that we can really change the world. We can transform the world by modeling interdependence and vulnerability. Interdependence is just mutual dependence, learning to rely on each other. And this is not a new idea. I certainly didn't come up with it. Probably the person who's written about it most eloquently is Stephen Covey, who wrote about it in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Oftentimes people remember that book as being this great personal growth book. And it is. It's maybe one of the best personal growth books that's ever been written. What they often forget is that literally half of the book, three of the seven habits, are called the habits of interdependence. They're the habits of how we rely on each other. And, you know, Covey says that um, trying to go through life independently is like trying to play golf with a tennis racket. The tool is not suited to the need. And so, these lessons that I want to give you are lessons from my experience and they're things that I've learned because I really think that the way we grow, the way we move forward is by learning lessons from each other and figuring out how to interdependently prod each other on to greatness. So if you're ready, let's jump into our five lessons. So here's the first lesson that I learned from 2022. And that's this. Here's the way I say it. The caller is inside the house. The caller is inside the house. Now, this is a phrase that I use because I'm a person in long-term recovery. I work with a lot of people who are also trying to find recovery from substance abuse, false narratives, just all this, all this crap, all this crap that we tell ourselves. And oftentimes, particularly for people early in sobriety, we it's easy to get sort of caught up 
in the stories that we've been telling ourselves. Often it's true, and this is not just true for people who are recovering from substance abuse. This is people recovering from false narratives, just trauma, things like that. It's often true that we forget that the thoughts we hear in our head come from us. Let me repeat that. The thoughts we hear in our head come from us. And here's a way you can understand it. So if you remember in the old horror movies, somebody would pick up the phone and and a horrible voice would say, I'm going to get you or whatever it was they would say. And then there was that moment where they realized, oh my gosh, caller is inside the house. That horrible person calling is maybe on the upstairs phone extension back when we had landlines. The caller is inside the house. You know, 2022 was a time of incredible growth for me. I got a chance to spend time with people globally who were trying to make the world a better place, who were working as world changers. But I continued and continue to be confronted by past traumas, past narratives. You know, it's that capacity for us to often get stuck in the trauma of our past and the unrealized hope of our future. But both of those narratives, past trauma, unrealized hope or future, are just me talking to me. <laughs> you know, often when people come into recovery, they say, well, you know, I had told my family or my friends or whatever that this time was going to be the time when I was really going to get my life together. I was going to stop drinking. I was going to stop using. I was going to stop gambling, whatever their, whatever their trauma and problem is. And then they would say, well, you know, I would tell my family that this time it was going to change, but then I wouldn't. And so my family has stopped believing me. And that's true. That is often true. And I can share that from my own experience as well. Probably the greatest person I had to stop listening to was me. <laughs> when I told myself I would change, when I told myself I would solve a particular problem, whatever that problem was, it was often true that I didn't believe me. Frankly, I thought I was full of shit. I didn't think I would actually do the thing I said I was going to do. And 2022 was a time of incredible growth for me in part because I was able to really understand that the caller is just inside the house. That voice that I'm hearing, that narrative that I'm stuck with, that's me talking to me. And I've been able to move into a place of significant growth and positive change and resonating with amazing possibilities that are beginning to come true because I recognized my own voice. And I was able to listen when needed, but also to move beyond the confines of my own voice. One of the biggest lessons I've learned from 2022 is this one, that the caller is inside the house. So what do you do with that? Well, the way to take that lesson and learn from it is to begin to ask yourself that question. When you're caught up in a false narrative, when you're caught up in a story that's keeping you locked, maybe you don't want to make that sales call. Maybe you don't want to call an old friend or a loved one and reconcile. Maybe it's just hard. You're, you're waking up in the morning feeling depressed and feeling beat up. And if you're listening this to this in the new year, you, we may already be a couple days into the new year and you're already starting to tell yourself a story. I never do what I say I was going to do. I don't 
follow through on my own word, bullshit. Call bullshit on that because the reality is that that voice you're hearing is you. And that caller is coming from inside of you. And you have the capacity to tell it to just shut up. Shut the heck up. (laughs) Shut the, you know what I'm saying, up. The caller is inside the house. Now, here's the second lesson that I learned. Be wary of anything you need. This was a big part of my journey in 2022. You know, coming into the year, I had made great strides in my recovery. I had made made great strides in my journey of personal growth. I had figured out how to put down certain things. But here's what I came to realize as part of my, my health journey in 2022 is that I need to be really wary of anything that I tell myself I need. So for people who are recovering from substance abuse, that's an obvious thing. I don't need the booze. I don't need the drugs. But as I began to find some time and some space away from that part of my life, not that I'm ever fully fixed or away from it, but what I began to realize is that the most problematic part of the narrative was the idea that I needed something from outside of myself to feel whole. I needed something from, you know, that that came from outside of me for me to feel like I was complete inside of myself. And that is a deeply dangerous narrative. We often recognize this in relationships. It's why there's been so much work done around codependency. We recognize that we, when we need another human in our life, that that's dangerous because humans will always let us down. But I'll get really vulnerable with you here. <laughs> for, for me, the big part of the journey in 2022 was caffeine, coffee. Look, I'm a pretty smart guy and I can read the research. Coffee is just not that great for you. And I'm not trying to you know, create a bunch of haters who are going to come <laughs> comment on this and say, we love our coffee. Stop picking on us, you anti-coffee drinker. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not, uh, that's not the, that's not the narrative. That's not what's happening right now. But for me, given my physiology, given my genetic makeup, coffee just is not very good for me. Makes me shaky. Makes me jittery. More than anything, though, it creates the impression that I need this thing in order to be able to function in the world. And so whatever it is that you're being confronted with, doesn't matter if it's a particular substance, doesn't matter if it's a person, doesn't matter if it's an idea. You know, I do mirror exercises every day. And some people think those are kind of fruity and woo-woo and I'm okay with that. And here's what a mirror exercise looks like is I'll create one or more sayings that I write with a erasable pen, erasable marker on my mirror, on my bathroom mirror. And then I look at myself in the eyes (laughs) and I tell myself those things. And so, for example, for several months in 2022, I looked at myself 10 10 times in the morning, 10 times in the afternoon, and 10 times in the evening. And I said, I love you. 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 For a variety of reasons, 
I didn't always believe that. <laughs> and, you know, one of the remarkable things about the team of people I have around me, and we're going to talk about a life team here in just a minute as our third point, but one of the remarkable things of the team of people I have around me is what I found was a group of people who were willing to say, let us love you until you can love yourself. And so this mirror exercise was a way of learning to love myself. But after the I love you, the next mirror exercise that I turned to was you are complete. You are whole. You have all you need. You are complete. You are whole. You have all you need. And three times a day, 10 times each time for several months, I had that up on my mirror and I looked at, I said that to myself looking in my eyes every day. You may think that's fruity. You may think that's woo woo. And I'm okay with that. Because <laughs> this, that's the point. I am complete in and of myself. And anytime I find myself needing something outside of me to feel complete, that's something I need to be wary of. That's something that I need to be cautious about. So the caller is inside the house. Be wary of needing anything. But then the third point, and this may seem antithetical to the second point, but my third point is make sure you develop and use what I call your life team. So one of the exercises that I go through with my coaching clients is I have them create what I call an emergency contact list. And these are five people that you can turn to for various issues in your life. And so I've got five people in my life that I could have a business failure. I could have a relationship problem. I could have all other kinds of issues. I have five people in my life that I know I can go to at any time that can help me. And then I have an even bigger life team that can help me with other issues. So for example, I have someone that I mentor. This particular individual is trying to start their coaching business and they wanted help on how to do that. And I've been helping them. Now I did it because I have see the incredible value of living in service. But it turns out that that person is also quite good at social media and they're helping me with my social media work and my social media campaigns. This idea of a life team is, it, it's comes from the idea of thinking of yourself like you would think of a corporation. So imagine a modern company with a CEO and you would never imagine that that CEO was doing the legal filings or filing the tax forms or setting HR policy, right? They would hire people who would do that for you. Now, if you're the CEO of your own life, why would you assume, what kind of pride and hubris would you have to have to assume that you were capable of doing everything well? No human is, doesn't matter how capable, the best CEOs, the Steve Jobs and the, and the Mark Benioffs, these, these great CEOs, nonetheless, have people that, are able to fill in the blanks for them. Steve Jobs was famously not very good with people. And he often focused far more on content than he did on sort of filling, you know, getting things done. But alongside him was Tim Cook. So this idea of a life team really is something that I work with my clients on. It's something that I put into my, into my coursework because it really strikes at the idea of a false kind of independence. And I have often said this, that, look, I think we need to be weary or wary, I should say, of co 
dependence. I think that's a dangerous thing. But I would encourage you to be equally wary of a false kind of independence, a false belief that you can do everything, fix everything all by yourself. And so it's this yin and yang. On the one hand, I would suggest that you need to be wary of anything that leads you to believe that you are not fearfully and wonderfully made to use some old scriptural language. But in contrast or in comparison to that, complementing that is the idea that we all need a life team. We all need the people around us who can help us succeed. So the caller is inside the house. Be wary of needing everything. Use your life team. And then number four, and, and I recognize that a lot of the people listening to this are not just entrepreneurs, but often older entrepreneurs, people more in line with me. So the fourth thing that I want to share with you, and I want you to hear this really, really clearly, it is never, ever, ever too late to get started on something. It's never too late to get started on something. If all you had was Google at your disposal, you might believe that it is. Because I don't know if you've done this experiment. I have, and it's discouraging. You go in and you'll say, find stories of entrepreneurs who started over later in life. And generally what you find is, you know, Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, Colonel Sanders, the founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken, and then a bunch of 30-year-olds. <laughs> I'm sorry, 30, year, 30 years old is not late. For me... I had burned my life down around me. I had crashed and I had to figure out how to reboot my life, how to put the pieces of my life back together, starting in my middle fifties. And what I found when I got the voices out of my own head, when I allowed myself to believe it, that whenever you start, incredible growth awaits you if you are willing to believe and willing to get out of your own way, particularly to get your mind out of our own, out of your own way. You know, one of the problems with the whole idea of flow, and if you're not familiar with flow, flow is just, it was popularized by the psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And flow is this idea of sort of living out and kind of effortless way of working. And for many people in the personal growth space, flow is sort of the top desired goal. It's the top desired outcome. But one of the problems with flow is that in order to do that, we have to shut off part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex. Now, the prefrontal cortex, unfortunately, is also where we keep trauma. <laughs> and so if you've been on this planet for three decades, four decades, five decades or more, you've probably got a whole collection of trauma and narratives that want to stop you, want to get in the way of your growth as an individual. What I have experienced this year in 2022 and what has been incredibly positive for me is the knowledge and belief that it is never too late to start, to start on something. If you haven't, if you're not aware of this book, there's a great book called Life Path. The whole idea is about becoming better ancestors to the future. And it reminded me, hearing Ari Wallach interviewed about it, reminded me of that saying, it's a Middle Eastern saying, it says, old men, and I would say women, old men and women plant trees under whose shade they will never sit. The reality is that whenever you start, you have the capacity to change the future. 
and you have the capacity to shape the future in positive and exciting ways. And so what I've learned this year is that it is simply never too late to start over. This year, I, I launched two businesses. I started this podcast. <laughs> I launched a course on Teachable. It's been an incredible year of growth, largely because I refuse to believe the narrative that it's too late, it's over. I see this narrative in so many. I had a, I had a particular uh, individual I was working with, person about my age, late 50s, and they were downsizing. So they were getting ready to buy a house, a smaller house, now that the kids had grown up and left, you know, flown the coop, as they say. And they were, so they were downsizing. And as they were looking at houses, they, they were thinking about getting a house with a master bedroom on the first floor. And their reasoning was, well, you never know when it's going to be too hard for me to walk upstairs. Now you got to understand this person is actually an athlete. They're, they're somebody who is in quite good shape for their age. But there is this myth, this cultural narrative that at some point it's just too late. And I want to call bullshit on that narrative. I want to call bullshit on that story and say that whenever you begin is the opera, you have the opportunity to create great momentum and to make a difference in the lives of real people. So it is never too late to start. Now, the first or the fifth lesson rather that I've learned from this year is that it's all about energy. Now, I remember when I was first sort of getting into the personal growth conversation and learning more and more about motivation and energy and, and spirit and things like that. And if I had heard somebody say three or four years ago, it's all about the energy, I would have mocked them. <laughs> I would have mocked me not that long ago, a few years ago, right? Because this idea that it's about the energy just runs contrary to everything my, you know, Western European Protestant ethic family of origin taught me. Everything my religious upbringing taught me that really what it was about was, you know, whether God liked you enough, <laughs> whether you did the right thing to appease your higher power and whether you worked hard enough. And so for years, I worked my fingers to the bone trying to make a difference and I ended up exhausted and wrapped up in deep levels of substance abuse. What I have been learning this year is that it's all about the energy. It really is about the energy that we create around our lives, around the problems that we face, and around how we face them. And so for this fifth point, and it's all about the energy, I want to kind of give you some pointers, some specific steps that you can take to really surround yourself with a team of people who are giving you the kind of energy you need. And the first step is to just believe in yourself. That can seem trite. It can seem overly simplistic. But the reality is that when you have positive energy, you begin to trust yourself. You begin to trust your own abilities. You begin to tr trust the decisions you make about your future. And frankly, when you trust yourself and your own decisions, you're more willing to take risks. Growth is about taking risks, bottom line. And when you are willing to believe in yourself, you're willing to accept the risks of growth because you begin to believe that you are complete. You begin to believe that you are surrounded with 
people who love you and want the best for you and believe in you as well. So believe in yourself and then surround yourself with positivity. You know, it's often quoted in the personal growth space that you are the sum or you are the average, I should say, of the five people around you. And boy, if 2022 wasn't an example of that, that sometimes means hard decisions. There's people who aren't very positive and you have to be willing to limit your exposure to those individuals. But it is absolutely important to surround yourself with people who support you. They support your growth. They support your success. And frankly, they support the way you see the world and what you want to be true of the world. There are people who I would think of as successful from a financial perspective who aren't necessarily positive for me because they have different goals than I have. You know, my goal is really to try and leave the world a better place for having been here. For people whose goals are to make a whole lot of money and drive a Mercedes or (laughs) whatever it is, that's great. But that wouldn't be positivity for me. So surround yourself with positive people who share the same view of the world as you do. Third, focus on the good. There is a culture scape. There is a cultural, cultural industrial complex designed to get you to focus on the negative. If you've seen the movie, The Social Dilemma, you realize that most of the social media companies are designed to create outrage and you designed to create negative responses in you. So you think you've got to respond. You've got to throw in your voice. You don't actually focus on the good. You know, most days I offer up to the universe the serenity prayer. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And for several years, the way that worked out in my life is I sought serenity whenever something happened that I couldn't control. Someone did something to harm me, said something to hurt me, some event happened in my life and I and I prayed to the universe for serenity to accept that thing I can't control. But here's what I learned pretty well in 2022, or maybe here's what I'm learning and, and had a real glimpse into in 2022 is that I can also practice active serenity. One of the most important things I did in 2022 was I took all of the news sites and news readers off of my phone. I can't avoid the world. <laughs> I can't avoid all the things that happen in the world. The reality is that there are global conflicts. There are, as I mentioned at the beginning, wicked, wicked problems, homelessness, poverty, environmental devastation. Those are things that are true in the world, but I don't have to focus on them. I don't have to focus on the negative because what I find is that where I give my attention is where I give my energy. And when I focus on the good, including the good of the people around me, I'm able to create a positive flow in my life. I'm able to actually help create more positivity simply by focusing on the good that is around me. Now, the fourth action you can take to really remember that it's all about the energy is to actually take action, take a step. You know, you may be listening to this and we're already well into 2023 and it's possible that you're thinking, I've already blown it. It's already January 7th or January 11th (laughs) and I didn't 
do my goals or, or, you know, meet my resolution, whatever it was you thought 2023 was going to be about, it's possible that you're already sort of wrapped up in a false narrative. Here's what I want to offer to you, that there's two ways to see commitments to ourselves. The first is through rate of application, and the other is through what are called temporal landmarks. I don't mean to nerd you out here, but, but just follow along with me. So let's start with temporal landmarks. Temporal landmark is something like New Year's Day. So maybe you told yourself sometime back in November or December, you know, starting January 1st, I'm going to do this. That's a temporal landmark. Temporal landmarks are the first of the year, your birthday, summer solstice, your wedding anniversary, your work anniversary. Those are just landmarks that mark a particular time in your life. And maybe you told yourself that you're going to begin to take an action after that. And then you failed. And now you're just sitting here thinking, yeah, what am I going to do now? I, I failed. It's the third of the year and I've already failed three times. Here's what I want you to replace that temporal landmark idea with, which is something called the rate of application. And if you've read Mel Robbins' book, Five Second Rule, this is a perfect example of rate of application. The rate of application is a theory in learning and development that says, the sooner you apply something, the more likely it is to stick with you and the more likely it is to transform you. The most important step you can take at any time in your life is the next step, the next action. Whatever that is, it's easy to think, I failed, it's too late, I blew it, I made a mistake, I can't go back. Not true. None of that is true. Take the next step and do the next right thing. Whatever that is for you, take action, take the next step. Because creating positive energy doesn't involve just sitting back and, and chanting and hoping it'll come to you. That's part of it. Certainly meditation is a key part of how I create and maintain my energy. But it's also true that I create positive energy because I create action. I create positive forward momentum because I am doing things. So taking positive action, being proactive, even small steps and small shifts will give you a constantly evergreen, positive outlook on life. And then the fifth action you can take to really drill down on the energy in your life is to celebrate successes. We don't do this enough. I don't do it enough in my own life. It's easy to, you know, when, you, when you've had a big success to think, well, that's great, but it could have been, or that's great, but what's next? Or done now, okay, what am I going to work on now? We would never do that. We would never do that to another human. Like, can you imagine, <laughs> can you imagine a good friend of ours who just had a big success and we said, oh, that's pretty awesome. What else are you going to do? What else you got in there? Right? We would never do that. And yet we do it to ourselves because we don't often give ourselves permission to celebrate our successes. So hopefully these five lessons were helpful for you. Remember that the caller is inside the house. Whatever story you're telling yourself to yourself, that's just you. It's your voice. And you can tell you to shut up. Be wary of anything that you need. But by contrast, make sure you use everything you've got. Use your life team. And if you don't have enough of a life team, create it. And if you're not sure how to do that, you can sign up for my course on Teachable. There'll be a link in the show notes. Fourth, it's never, ever, ever, ever too late. I was listening to a podcast not that long ago about a guy who was 100 years old, still running marathons, still 
eating a whole food plant-based diet. And he started that process in his 60s. It is never too late. And fifth, and importantly, energy is the key. And the energy you create around your life and your projects is the key. And you do that by believing in yourself, surrounding yourself with positivity, focusing on the good, taking action, and celebrating your successes. So I'm so delighted you joined me today. Here's how you can help. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you do two things for me? First of all, just leave a comment. Wherever you listen to this, leave a comment, leave a review, give me five stars. If you didn't love the podcast, that's okay. You don't, you can forget all about the reviews. And then tell one friend. If you would just tell one friend, if we did that every time, this podcast would continue to grow and this message of positivity would continue to get out there. I'm so delighted that you join me today for this first episode of the Mission Driven You podcast. I'm delighted to welcome you to 2023, and I look forward to making this an amazing year together. Be well, be whole, do good in the world. Thank you.